Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today, on my 39th episode, I have Manitoba Bison's defensive back coach and recruiter, Mr. Sean Ollie. How's it going, Coach? Good, buddy. Yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on. Me and you got to know each other a little bit last year, uh, working together at Pro Prep Academy. Also had you and your brother on for a podcast on my first season. And, and over that time, me and you have kind of developed a little bit of a coaching bond, just getting to know one another. Would you mind maybe catching my audience up to speed and, and just kind of give your background playing and coaching up to date? So I started with the Eastside Eagles program at the Adam level, played all the way up through there. Um, they did a great job with uh, the kids there. And then I, I went to River East, got to play against some great players when there was only eight teams in that league. So very small Winnipeg High School League, but went to River East and did provincial team, did Canada Cup three times, actually, uh, when it was U19. So I did 16, 17, and 18, tore my ACL, my redshirt freshman year at University of Mount Allison. So that's where I got scouted for Mount Allison as a, a spry 18-year-old where there was no age restrictions at the time, so going in and playing against men was a wake-up call. So I did a, a stint out there for four years and then came back to Winnipeg and started coaching the Winnipeg High School League with my uh, former East coach who was at Kildonan East at the time. I think I did six or seven years there, very young. Um, was one of the best learning experiences to get me where I am now. Um, after there, I took the defense coordinator job at my alma mater at River East and then became the head coach at River East, won a double-A championship my first year, and then was fortunate enough to get a call from Brian Doby to discuss possibilities of coming on and helping Coach Urbanovich with the DBs and interviewed with Coach P, uh, Coach Urbanovich, Coach Doby, and had a great time there. And it's been nothing but great things and a terrific way for me to grow as a younger coach with uh, Coach P. Thank you, Coach, for getting my audience up to speed. Let's get into your 2021 Bison season now. Tell me a little bit about how the season went, maybe some ups and downs of the season, and uh, just the overall success of the program. As Coach Doby has said in previous interviews, he's so proud of this team, the team we just had, and that's a lot of uh, ghost our leadership core and the stuff we had to go through. I know Des was on here a couple weeks ago. He's done a great job with our core leadership group making decisions making the locker room their own locker room and being accountable where it's not so much coming from the coaches but coming from player accountability so we started off in regina week one didn't start off too great and des went down the third quarter our starting qb towards acl mcl it was pretty ugly uh jackson jasinski came in from vincent massey just a, a pure great quarterback um he does a lot of good things well with his legs i like to come back in week one there beat regina um, week two, we had Calgary, and I believe uh, we're down twenty nothing. Calgary ended up beating them, so then we're two and zero. And then week three, one of our coaches passed away, a younger guy due to cancer, and we had to go play in Alberta that week. Off week emotionally on the receiver group, us as a staff. When Coach Dobie came in and delivered the news, uh, just probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in coaching is being around that group. And they went out that week in Alberta. We were on short week. We played Friday night. Um, so we got this news Monday or Tuesday, and then we're traveling Thursday, and then we're playing Friday. And they came out, and we put a just did a great job offensively in that game. 
and defensively and, and pretty much took it to Alberta pretty early. I think we're up 21, nothing in the first quarter. Um, and just a, a game of raw emotion. So then we three and zero. We go to UBC, I believe. Lose to UBC in a tight game where Jackson actually goes down now. So we're on to Sawyer's season. The intangibles on this guy and his ceiling are unbelievable. So he goes in there first drive, throws a touchdown, long pass, gets us into position. But then just the inexperience starts to come through in that game. So we lose that game with three and one. Saskatchewan coming in the week after the top team in Canada West obviously this year lose that game go to three and two and then beat Regina Jackson comes back for that last game in Regina win that game four and two solidified a second place in Canada West with coming out of the COVID year was uh, a pretty good pretty good start for us we thought and then playoffs roll around we get University of Alberta in Winnipeg right and uh Another unique, unique experience where these players had to, again, we had major snowstorm. Yeah. We had two, two hour, maybe three hour delay at some points, just them trying to clear the field left and right. And we didn't know what time we'd start. So those guys stayed in tune mentally. And I think we were up for like 300 in the first half. Mm-hmm. We were up 30 nothing. Just did a fantastic job on, on offense running the football that game in the first half and really paid dividends for us. And then we can make the Can West Finals. We're going into Saskatchewan, a very heavy veteran-laced team, great quarterback, outstanding O-line. You can't say good enough good things about their O-line. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't play our best game offensively. Defensively, we did not play nearly as we did all year. And uh, we, were, we were up at half and just couldn't finish the deal there. And it happens when another team has experience, and it's their Vanier year and their run. Um, we think we're poised, though, here coming up to have a really deep run. You guys had a great bounce-back season in 2021 coming off the COVID year off. Coach, can you talk a little bit more about your defensive core and, and maybe the standouts on your in your defensive units? We don't look statistically at much numbers at Manitoba. It's how many, how many wins do we have as a defense and how many yards um, we can keep a, a team to. And then turning over the ball, we did an excellent job on that. So interesting, we kind of switched our philosophy at Manitoba – defensively a little bit and that was through the COVID period mm-hmm. and uh we started tinkering with it just before COVID hit um out of necessity because we were playing the two Philpot brothers in Calgary and we wanted to we couldn't leave one of the Philpots alone mm-hmm. um so we kind of morphed into this two high shell and then we coach P all credit to coach P he's just a mad scientist at work who lays everything out and He's a mad scientist with rules, I like to say, so everything has to be covered. Mm-hmm. But we went to a, a basically a predominantly too high defense in a lot of situations this year with two safeties. The will walked out, and it worked really well for us. Um, teams started doing stuff later in the year, obviously, once they got some film on us. But um, it, it's a great style of defense. I love being in it. We learned a lot of it from Kirby Smart um, at the Nike Clinic, and he was very open about everything. Um, he shared a whole ton of stuff. He probably went for an hour and a half. So um, just the Nike clinic I was at. Any Georgia staff member we can find, we'll watch his clinic or his tape. Watch the, the linebacker coach from Georgia. He's done a great job down there, and he was outstanding on Thursday. That's excellent, Coach. I love the insight into your defensive philosophy and making the adjustments and kind of becoming a little bit more new school with it, obviously referencing the Philpott brothers of the Calgary Downs receivers who are super dynamic and 
very tough to cover. Coach, can you go a little bit more into your defensive back group and, and let me know, is that group coming back for, for next year? Do you lose anybody? Our group is really young. They're really good. Um, Marcel Aruda welsh um, I can't say enough good things about Marcel. He, everyone knows he was one of the best high school players of all time to come out of Manitoba. His maturity and growth, though, as a young man, an individual from his first year with Coach U, where stuff didn't go well, to this year when he came back, and just his leadership and being a leader of that group and doing it in his own way. And he was fighting through a, a major injury this year. His hips wouldn't basically work properly. Uh, he'd be crying in the locker room at halftime. I was like, do I need to pull you at all? And he's like, no, I, I'll make it through, Coach. I'll make it through. Like, Lori's giving me the okay. I, it's just how much pain I can make through. So uh, he, he's unbelievable. And there's no better athlete on our team. Yeah. You, you can ask Coach Dovey. There's no better athlete on our team than Marcel. So uh, he, he might be gone to the CFL. He says he's coming back to do his, his last year, though. But there's a good possibility he could be gone. He's a great player. RJ Shelley, the fifth-year corner, is coming back most likely. You don't find many guys that are 6'4", 6'5", that can move like him. Um, he does a great job out there. Made a huge play in the Can West Finals for us. Um, the Conway brothers have been unbelievable from the rifles program for us. One playing Sam, the, uh, the other one at Boundary Half. Um, Nick had a really good year. We we lose Stefan. We think just some uh, he may have aged out, but we don't know based on the COVID rules. We right. still haven't got an update on that. Um, but Nick had a fantastic year. I thought he should have been a Can West All-Star. And then safety, Stephen Adenopoulos came in. We were kind of not knowing who to play, and there's a lot of checks in our defense at a lot of times. He kind of filled that void for us. And then we got some young kids that I am really excited for. Jake Nechurik started a game for us at, at, uh, at the corner spot when Marcel couldn't go. Not the field corner. He played boundary corner for us when he predominantly a field corner, and he did a great job for us. Jared Elkras, our other starting half, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He did a great job for us. Shad from Vincent Massey. You know, that he this kid's a receiver. We moved over to DB, and mm -hmm. he's going to be an All-Canadian in two years. Nice. Once Marcel leaves, like this kid, I've had great talks with him. He's a he's a great worker. I He makes plays, and he, he's got that quick, quick twitch. But that patience in his pedal, which I really like to see on a lot of kids. You see a lot of kids be furious in their pedal and try to be fast. Yeah. Both Hartman and Marcel have this unique patience about them. The guys like Eli Rivera, who's coming back from an injury. And then we've only been able to bring three recruits in because this core we have in the DB core is so loaded. Uh, Bakaru's coming back for another year for us. So it, it's when we lay our depth chart out, I did this with Coach Alama before he signed with Calgary. We were like, ooh, it's going to be a hard to even make the travel roster if you're not a starter right now because yeah. there, there's seven spots or eight spots on the road, and five of these are pretty cemented here. Um, but, like, the other three, it's like, ooh, that's going to be a tough tough decision for all of us. So very excited about the group, and we're just going to keep building our camaraderie in, in that room. has been really good. That's awesome, Coach, to kind of go into each of your defensive backs in that group and, and talk specifically about them. Very cool. Thank you for that. We had referenced earlier that Des Catelier, the starting QB, QB1 of your program, goes down week one against Regina with a devastating knee injury. Jackson Chachinsky, 
uh, comes in to replace him and plays fairly well throughout the season. Can you talk about that that great young room of young quarterbacks that are working with Coach Walbauer? Oh man, that that's a room filled filled with talent. You got I like to call him the old man there in Des now, mm-hmm. and Des does leading from top to bottom. He doesn't leave a guy out. I, I can't say enough good things about Des. Um, he's in probably Coach Doby's office more than anyone is talking just talking culture and talking what they can do then you have jackson i really like jackson just is a winner to me like there's nothing that's like oh a plus arm talent a plus accuracy the king of bees but Mm -hmm. all those bees put together and his compete level i just think he's so good at what he does and what he brings it might not be spectacular but the compete and the way he uses legs and his knowledge of the game, they did a great job with him at Massey. And, um, I, I really enjoy him. Um, Sawyer Thiessen, there's not a kid with a higher ceiling, I think, in the last while, um, football-wise, mm-hmm. at the quarterback position in this province. He is a stud talent-wise. Um, can he make the switch mentally now? And he just needs reps. Right. Um, he's really good. And then we have Jordan Hanslip as number four. He, he did a great job running scout for us, a lot of look. Once we get closer to playoff time, we start doing scout team meetings, which uh, I get to lead. So he was in the room there, and he, he did a fantastic job of giving us the looks we needed to. And he is very good, very good. I've had him my provincial team. We call him the general sometimes just because um, he puts balls in places, just does what he's supposed to do. And he's got unique intangibles that I don't think – you can measure by his height, weight, or mm-hmm. stats. Yeah, Coach, you have such a talented young quarterback room. When uh, Jackson ends up taking over for Dez in the, in the near future, it's going to be exciting to see what he can bring to the table. He has a big arm. He's a big guy. you know. But not only just the, the stature of him and, and his ability to throw the ball, I really like his quickness and ability to run. He, he showed... Uh, you know, a little bit of, of that this past season, and it was really cool to see. And I think he can be a very dynamic weapon. Besides Des, like, they're all Manitoba kids. Yeah. Um, all three of those other guys are all Manitoba kids. It's just the province has got so much better at developing um, quarterbacks with yourself, with the Recruit Ready program, these other programs, Pro Prep. Mm-hmm. These were great things to get these quarterbacks more reps. And people ask me all the time, what are the major differences between a Nathan Rourke playing quarterback up here and him being in the NFL. And a lot of this, honestly, to me, is just the reps that they get. You guys get so many more reps down south than they do up here. Back at it for second quarter action with Bison defensive backs coach, Mr. Sean Ollie. Me and you were communicating after uh, one of my games this year. I was coaching for Oak Park High School, and I believe it was after our Vincent Massey game talking about one of our offensive tackles, really big kid, really athletic, and he ended up committing to you guys to play for 2022. Can you tell my audience a little bit about what goes into your role into the recruiting? I take a pretty active role with Coach Doby when it comes to recruiting. Um, I think my ties to being in the high school league and talking to high school coaches all the time is just a great lead. Uh, Mitch Harrison's been a, a great asset for us, Kelsey McKay, um, guys like that that we can reach out to because um, time is limited during the season. I find that's the hardest part. When we're at home on Fridays, 
is our walkthrough day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll usually look at the, the schedule, um, the high school schedule on Friday and be like, okay, uh, I can make Coach Toby. I'm going to do Calvin at River East at 3 o'clock. And then I'm going to do St. Paul's at Massey at 6 o'clock. Uh, just so I, we can actually be there in person and just not go off huddle tape. I think that's a common mistake that's sometimes made now with people's just going off the tape. Um, I still like to go see kids in person a lot. Um, so with Ryan, I came out to the Oak Park Massey game. I think it was Friday. It was a pretty chilly four o'clock game. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's just a giant of a kid who plays offensive tackle. And, and there's not too many kids that are seven out there in this province. I brought it back to Ryan and Coach Carha, and I said, hey, there's this kid at Oak Park. He's pretty raw, but he's pretty athletic for his size. I think we should give him a look and, and maybe start talking to him and see what you guys think once his film is, is finalized here. Then I reached out to you and obviously asked about, it, it, does he have any character issues? Um, how is he in the gym? How is he academically? What, do, what are your thoughts on him? And I think that's one thing these kids overlook a lot when they're getting recruited it, it, is that I go right to your high school coach. I'm just going to talk to him about what you're actually like as a person. And uh, it's one of the most beneficial things we do. We, we had an O-lineman from Thunder Bay who was very interested in us. And uh, I, I reached out to his high school coach and said, hey, what's the word on this kid, yada, yada. And he just said, I don't think he's a good person. Wow. And he hasn't been a good person for me in high school. So um, I was like, all right, well call coach Toby up let's have a convo and basically the recruiting process stopped for that kid once we heard that he's not the best person he wasn't doing the right things in school so mm-hmm. um like to go get eyes and that's usually how it works that we kind of have a board and then we just work out from that I really love the insight there coach into what it takes to you know what goes into the recruiting process for you guys uh, I, I love the point of touching on talking to the the players coaches themselves and kind of gaining a little bit of insight onto that player's character and, and just everything that's going on in the classroom and whatnot. I think that's super important. There's a number of players that I've been helping get recruited from either my program at Oak Park High School or through Big Air Academy. And often I tell the guys, you know what, it, it's all great for you to send out your film to the coaches, but um, sometimes it might be better if I do it for you on your behalf because, again, I can give that insight to the coach and kind of let them know what kind of person you are what kind of character you have. I do think that's super important. I also value the fact that you're out at games watching. A lot of coaches are just sending generic text messages to, to the kids to try to recruit them. And, and the players see through that. So I appreciate that you're out there in the community watching and that you guys as a Bison staff take uh, take action like that and, and come and watch us play. Coach, what do you think is the most important factor for, a, for young players that are trying to get recruited to play at the youth sport or for the Manitoba Bisons? You know what the most important thing is? As long as it's going to be your film. Are you a player that can come in here and you might not be able to contribute in year one or two, but can you contribute in other years for year one or two? Can you be a great scout team guy for us? Um, can you help help the unit out in other ways, um, just not football-wise? We like to look at that stuff for us. And then other stuff I like to really say with kids is sometimes – it, the junior route's not a bad route for you. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, Aaron, just before we got on here with talking. With our roster cap coming in, there's going to be a lot of guys that have to go take the junior route uh, right now just because uh, across Canada, and I know Coach Toby's spoken to all the Canada West coaches, we're in a real crunch of where 
Um, you may have been on the roster last year, and because the roster cap coming in, you might not be on the roster this year. So we've tried to tell a lot of the grade 12s that, and just be honest with a lot of coaches about that. I had a coach reach out to me last week from a school here in Winnipeg, a predominant school, and saying, hey, these two guys played a year of junior. What do you think about them coming? What's the odds of them making your your team right now? And I said, I like both these kids. I think they need another year of junior just because I'm at 17 DBs already, and I don't think I'll get any more. Again, Coach, that's great insight into the numbers game and just how things are going to develop with the with the shortened rosters coming in 2022 and how that's going to affect players that were on your roster before and players that are coming in. In terms of what you guys are looking for, for a player to, to come in and play for the Manitoba Bisons, can you go into that in a little bit of depth and, and let us know, let the players know out there what, what's important to you guys when you're looking at them? So when I was a high school coach, and I didn't learn this. It's one of my progressions as a university coach now. It's like I had a kid, Johnny Bennett, who was a, a real good player for me. And he was the best player we had at Reese at the time going both ways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he, uh, I played U-sport. I think Johnny Bennett can play U-sport, just as an example. But then once I got to the university, and jo- Johnny did a year of Bison's year of rifles, and then another year of rifles, then towards ACL and was done. A player like that who I thought was outstanding at the high school level was kind of undersized at the university level right? Um, and wasn't fast enough. Not saying he couldn't get there in the future, but just at that time, it probably would have been better for me to recommend, hey, junior, 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 and then try to get an offer. But um, that's up to the kids and their, their parents to decide. That was one thing that's really stood out. What I like to look for is obviously in the DB core, I like length. I, I don't think there's there's much to say about that part of it. So I, I, our, our field corner spot, we're pretty lengthy there. Like RJ Shelley, 6'4", Jake Nechurik, 6'3". Um, we have a, a kid coming in from Thunder Bay who's another 6'3", DB, Braden Parker, Wilson. So we have great length out there, which can make up for sometimes being a little slower and stuff. Or, or, and then I like if you can play cover one. If you can just play one from off coverage, not up there and press man, and be calm in your pedal. It's not saying we don't play press man in Manitoba, but if you can be calm at five yards in that pedal, and it's the one thing I think is very overlooked in the DB play, mm-hmm. is how calm a player is in his pedal. And we have a couple good ones in Manitoba that are really calm in their pedal, which I really like. And then as a DB, okay, we're calming our pedal. It's a nice. We see that break, shoot out of that thing, and go make a play on the ball. We've done a really good job of that lately, um, shooting out. And we're, we're trying to install that just from the Nike clinic. We was in with the Minnesota safety coach and got a couple of really good drills from him that hopefully we'll be able to take back. And I'll nice. try to start them with the provincial team and see how they go. When I'm working with the provincial team, then um, some go good. I'll, I'll take them to Manitoba. If some don't go as great, I'll just drop them at the door there. So, And if you can run... we'll find you. If you can run, we'll find you. Yeah, Speed kills, right? Yeah. I really like that you talk about the junior element coach. I think that it's something that's really overlooked for kids coming out of high school and and sometimes downplayed in in the, you know, the um, importance of of playing football at at a higher level that it kind of gets sloughed over to to go play university and and whatnot. And, And I think one of the missing factors is that most players don't understand that they get two free years out of high school, right? They get those two years after high school that doesn't count against their eligibility, which essentially means that you've got seven years to play five. 
And in that time, if you do it properly, right, even the most elite athletes that come out of that come out of a high school football typically um, aren't, you know, they're, they're still boys. They're not men yet. It gives you a couple years to mature your body, to learn the game, play it in, at a high level. Um, also kind of figure out what you want to do with your education in school. I can only speak for myself, but I know when I came out of high school at 18 years old, I did not have a hot clue of what I wanted to do with my education. And I think in that time, you know, so you spend a couple years playing junior football, kind of live life, maybe work a full-time job and and understand what uh, what you might want to do with your future. I think just set yourself up a little bit better and, you know, then have a real opportunity to come to a university and really contribute from the beginning and, and not have to sit three, four years on the bench. Because I think a lot of times guys that do that, even if they're able to stick it out for that long, I think they lose the passion for the game sometimes because they're just not playing football and they could be playing football if they, if they went and played junior football. I, I agree with you totally. Like, um, I, I think sometimes these kids kind of look down on the junior level. Like, yeah. Hey, I should be a youth sports star, mm-hmm. but yada, yada, yada. But then you look at his tape and you're like, well, you're not a youth sports star and you've only had 200 yards receiving in the high school league this right. year. There's just no chance you need to go and develop. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with taking your own process yeah. and developing your own process at yourself you're just competing against yourself so where am i going to get better am i going to get reps here get reps here um now with the roster cap coming into play it's almost forcing kids like hey there's no spots for you here now you're going to have to find another place to play another school which is in the exact same issue as us i love the comment about finding your own process coach i think that's super important i think it's great insight just to cap off the second quarter here coach do you think that there's any misinformation that players are being fed maybe that's impacting their decision on what they're doing after high school you know what it's unique to every kid i think i think one thing that these uh, a lot of parents don't understand is if we give you um full tuition at manitoba mm-hmm. that's all you're getting that's the full scholarship across canada it's a tuition-based scholarship right it isn't food it isn't housing stuff like that and then coach Dobie does a great job explaining this there's basically a salary cap or scholarship cap certain times that we can only fit that money scholarships in that year so what we've done in manitoba and what he's done a lot is incentive-based scholarships okay you're not so there's no offense to anyone but we have a stud junior kid coming in from edmonton okay he's edmonton husky led cjfl in receiving he's a stud Obviously, that kid we're competing against everyone in the nation for. He's getting a full scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, but there's other kids that may have been like overlooked a little bit here and there. Or we're taking a chance on them. Um, what Coach Toby's like to do is we've made them incentive-based scholarships. So one third when you sign for, with us, one third when you dress for us, and then one third when you start games for us. So, so it's an incentive-based scholarship where you work your way up on it. And it just keeps the cap kind of down towards us. And we have a lot of guys on those incentive-based scholarships now in Manitoba. Back at it for third quarter action with Coach Gies and Coach Ollie. Yesterday we were chatting a little bit in the morning and you were in on a Nike, uh, Nike clinic that was going on. Often I notice that you're posting about different clinics that you're involved in, different seminars that you're involved in. You're always kind of working on your craft and trying to learn as much as you can to improve yourself. Can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about the clinic you were involved in yesterday and anything you took away and, and maybe whose uh, sessions you sat in on? Them? Yeah, I think anytime 
as a younger coach, it, it was my biggest mistake when I was coaching early, when I was in my 20s and in my 30s, I really corrected it. Just trying to learn as much as you can, not being like, you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Like coming out of university, I think with a lot younger coaches, sometimes you're like, oh, I played at this level. I know more than this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. But it really comes down to just your own personal growth and, and not being afraid to ask questions and not being afraid to go. Like one thing people don't realize is you can come out to the Bible in spring camp if you're a coach. Mm-hmm. If you contact one of us and say, hey, coach, I want to come out and just watch what you do for a day. You can come out and we're more than welcome. But a lot of people don't like doing it for whatever reason. I do get to sit in all the clinics and I'm very lucky. Uh, last one I sat in um, was a three-day Nike clinic online they're usually in person but with covid over the last two years they've gone to online and actually they're more beneficial online you get to see way more guys in a shorter time span and they record them so with nike you can go back and you watch them again and then they're up there for a month so i usually try to stream record them put onto usbs and then go back for my own references one interesting thing i like to go sit in on what receivers are being learned a lot. So um saw PJ Flick this week talking about releases and what they like to do in Minnesota. Then in my head, I'm like, okay, how are we going to counter this stack release or this, this release, what they like to do here? Um, I think that's really important is to try to get to the other side of the ball as much as you can. And uh, I reached out to Michael Lombardi last year, who's the ex-Patriots general manager now is in the podcast game pretty heavy mm-hmm. and uh he came and sat down with our coaching staff for an hour and a half and he gave on, on zoom and he said that's one of the most important things he said is if you're a defense coach go down to the other side of the hall and sit in an offensive meetings mm-hmm. um see what they're doing learn how they're trying to attack you so i've been since that chat we've had with lombardi I've been trying to do a lot of offensive stuff and then getting back to just the technical stuff at DB. And there's always new stuff to learn, always new drills. Another thing I like to sit in on as a coach is special teams. Seeing how Central Florida runs their special team punt block or their, how they get their reps in on special teams compared to how we're doing stuff. So Central Florida likes to save guys' legs a lot in special teams periods. So everything's scripted in their special teams periods to save guys' legs. So it's only a 10-yard cover on this one. They're only doing one full cover basically a day on something, full speed. Then they're flipping it, doing 10 yards. So just new ideas and new ways of thinking. And then obviously you have to translate stuff back to the Canadian game, but it's been nothing but beneficial to sit in on those clinics for me. I think that's great advice, Coach, to work on your craft and constantly keep at it. And because you don't know everything, and I think you you said that perfectly, that as young coaches, we often have a big head because we used to play at a high level and we come in and we we need to learn. We need to continually learn and and use resources that are there for us. I really like the comment about, uh, you know, going across the room and, and working on the opposite side of the ball, seeing how they coach things. I know for myself, that's something that I need to do a little bit more. Um, I need to learn more about defensive coverages, defensive technique, how they're going to play certain situations. And, you know, I I like to be able to do that kind of thing and and use resources like yourself to improve myself as a coach. And then I have a Wednesday night football group I'm actually in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's put on by Paul Charbonneau, who I uh, coached. I played with him and coached him out A, and now he's with the Red Blacks. Yeah. And uh, he'll just bring in speakers all the time. And it's a group probably of 40 guys. 
each guy takes a week to present or two guys present. And it was awesome during COVID. There's everyone from NFL coaches in there down to Ontario high school coaches, guys who played in the CFL that are high school coaches right now. So that's been really good and unique for me to be in that form. And then the two presenters go, they're done for the night. And then we just start talking football and what we like. And I just sat in one with uh, Coach Quick from the Montreal Alouettes Mm -hmm. and very analytical based in the way he grades guys out. So it was very interesting to sit in that. And then he had one stat, which I've never graded on, is under pressure stats. Last three minutes of the game or you need to step up here. And he was telling us about, he didn't use the player's name, but I I went and looked it up about Bear Woods. um, In Bear Woods' MVP season on defense, he was terrible in last in clutch situations though, oh. and how they had to fix that for the next year. It was really interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting. It's awesome how you can kind of gain little, little tricks or, or little nuances that different coaches have and then apply them to yourself and how you coach or bring it to your own team to benefit your players and your team. So um, I, again, I, I really think it's awesome that you spend this quality time working on football. You really never take a day off. Football is always on your mind. Um, me and you are very similar in that way, and I appreciate that about you. I respect that about you. Just to kind of get into maybe a little bit of the DV play today, the fundamentals, the development that you guys work with at the U of M. You're working with a, an outstanding defensive back coach, Coach Urbanovich, who's been there forever, and and he's you know well respected in our community and and has produced so many great players. What what specifically are you guys teaching right now in terms of your DV fundamentals? I think the main thing we've taught since I've been there is the last three years is I discipline and develop getting your eyes in the right spots, which coming from a high school level, even elite high schools, there might not be the best DB coach at that program, or he's only played DB at this level or this level, and he's not working on the trades, maybe much as coach Urbanovich or I have. So mm-hmm. um, eye discipline is something we see it's the number one thing we get a new recruit in here right away is we're probably going to be on you about your eyes and looking at the quarterback a whole lot. Um, Can West's got a lot of good quarterbacks. If you don't have your eyes in the right spot, the right place, he's not throwing the ball to you. He's throwing it to one of the Philpots. He's going to hit him right in number five or seven. They're going to be gone for 80 yards. So we try to really make sure our eyes are really good discipline. And then some of the footwork stuff, we have to be changed in issues where guys are sometimes in the side saddle or getting too high, just small stuff like that where it's been ingrained in their high school or maybe their coach at their high school level has not been hard on them on, mm-hmm. where we have to get back to, hey, you have to be in this transition phase. You have to be in this pad level phase in order to get the best out of your body. We almost have to deconstruct not what they've been taught, but what their body mechanics have been for so long and get it back to where we want it to. Um, that that's probably the most difficult part sometimes. And our kids have done a really good job for what we've been teaching over the last little while here. Back at it for fourth quarter action with DB coach from the Manitoba Bison, Sean Ollie and coach Geese. So coach, I remember a post in, in the summertime or in the fall where you were, uh, you were in your bomber gear and you were at the stadium and I remember I texted you and I was asking, hey, are you coaching for the squad or what's going on there? 
and uh, you actually have a very unique role on game day that you do for the Bombers. Could you tell my audience a little bit about that and, and how that developed and, and what you enjoy about doing that? On game day, I get to go up to the coach's box with Coach Hall and Coach Buck, and uh, there's a system we use in U-Sport, and CFL, the NFL all has it, where a video will come directly into a laptop that I'm sitting on, and then I can cut up the play and click the play, and then I send it back down to the iPads. So it, it came about as I started doing it for Coach P when I was in the box. I would do personnel, um, do some back-end stuff, and then I would have to do this on top of it because obviously we didn't have the staff at U of M to be able to do that. We're figuring out the best way to do it. So I did that for a whole year. Uh, then we have the COVID year. And so then Kyle Walters actually called over to Brian and said, hey, you have a guy who, who's willing to intern with us to on game days to run the iPads for us. And Brian called me and said, would you do this for them? I said, well, obviously, if it works out with the Bison schedule, which mostly it did, yeah, I'll be more than willing to do it. So um, it was a unique experience. It was interesting. It was The West's final was intense up there. I took it as a learning experience. Like, hey, I get to shadow Coach Hall and Coach Buck and hear what they're saying down in the headsets all the time. And it was interesting. It's really just learn, learn, learn. Try to soak in as much as possible while you're there. And just to see their culture they've built in their coaching staff and through their players and being able to go down after games and see how it all works was really beneficial towards me. And if a step ever came in that direction, like obviously I'd have to sit down and think about it, but it was, it was really, really cool. That's such a cool opportunity and experience for you, coach. Uh, I'm super jealous. To keep going with the CFL, there's been so many signings of late in the last month, month and a half have been going on. Our good friend and your former linebacker coach at the U of M, Mr. DJ Lalama, just signed with the Calgary Stampeders a week or two ago. What do you think is maybe the most impactful signings so far going into the 2022 seasons in the CFL? I really like what Ottawa did. Lapo's done over there, and shout out Coach Suber, Coach Charbonneau. I think them bringing in Mazzoli right away to kind of stabilize their quarterback position. And they, they were okay on defense last year at times, and mm -hmm. they were pretty good on special teams. They were just not very explosive on offense at all. So right. um, some of the uh receiving crew they've uh brought in i think is going to be uh, uh beneficial to them and maybe give Apple a, a few more tools to work with in order to make plays and then i i find it extremely interesting what bc is doing out there with the two canadian quarterbacks um mm -hmm. they're giving them a lot of talent to succeed uh, from the receiver position with burnham whitehead can that old line block anyone is a major question and yeah. Can those Canadian quarterbacks delivers? I know a lot of people are split on Nathan Rourke. Some people love him. Some people don't like him as much. So that's the team I'm most interested to see play this year, actually, is the BC Lions. That QB situation in BC is definitely going to be interesting. Former podcast guest Michael O'Connor is in there to compete with Nathan Rourke. That's uh, pretty unique to have the two Canadian quarterbacks. So I'm interested how that shakes out and, and who uh, who ends up getting that job. Yeah, I'm not sure if Michael's there to back up Nathan or if they're actually going to have a competition or whatnot. But uh, again, yeah, very interesting. How about Chris Jones becoming the head coach of the Edmonton Elks and definitely kind of shaking things up and signing a lot of people, a lot of older guys, which is quite interesting. The one that's kind of most intriguing that I saw lately was uh, the signing of Deron Carter. I don't think he's played football for a couple of years and he's coming in not as a receiver, but as a defensive back. What are your thoughts about that, Coach? 
we talked a little off camera here, like Chris Jones does what Chris Jones wants. And I kind of respect that in the coaching yeah. world where he doesn't fall to uh, pressure and stuff. And Deron played pretty good when he had to play field corner out there. Mm-hmm. Like he picked off a couple times, took one to the house. So um, from the article I read, it, it seems that him coaching high school may have matured him a little bit. He said okay. it was like dealing with 30 of his own self at times in Florida. <laughs> um, he, he's done that for two years. So who knows? Maybe that's matured the man. I, I think coaching high school is the hardest level to coach by far mm. uh, with what you're dealing with. So we'll see. And I, I like Chris Jones and I like what he does with his defense. I, I know some people don't like him as a person or whatever you have against him, but I think he's a fantastic defensive mind who brings in a press man scheme that you don't see much in, in Canadian football. And he can find talent. Boy, can he find talent. Chris Jones has a unique personality, and he definitely believes in himself and doing things a little bit outside the box. And, you know, having that kind of maybe arrogant personality is sometimes needed at, at the higher levels. I definitely respect that about him. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if some of these signings are going to pan out for them or whatnot. But um, moving forward, Coach, how about the NFL? Obviously, the Super Bowl was a couple of weeks ago now. Very strong defensive game by both teams. What did you think about the game? What did you think about the defensive play uh, specifically? I thought the game was going to be a blowout early. Like uh, going into the game, mm-hmm. I thought the Rams' D-line would take over, and I thought the Rams would be able to run the ball. Okay. Um, going into that game, Cincinnati was giving up 5.9 yards a carry against the run. And I thought McVeigh would exploit that. And I thought Cincinnati would be in a too high shell a lot of the time. Early on, they probably had two game plans. Credits their coordinators on defense. They did a great job in the playoff time. Mm-hmm. Different than what we saw during the season. And they took away the run game. And then with Odell going down, really hurt the Rams' production there. And you, you saw some of those receivers that, our special teams guys have to go in there, and it led to an interception uh, right after. But I thought both teams played well. I thought the coverage on both sides was pretty good, and I thought the linebacker play from both teams was exceptional. Going into the game, I definitely thought Cincinnati Bengals' O-line was going to struggle with the uh, great defensive line and, and front seven from from the Rams, and obviously that did sort of happen late in the fourth quarter. But uh, I do feel like Cincinnati kind of held their own for the mo- majority of the game. So that was interesting how it all kind of played out and, uh, you know, kudos on the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Coach, just to kind of cap off today's podcast, you know, one other thing, the way we're connected, the way I know that you're a good dude is that we're both Florida Gator fans and we've just got a new head coach and Billy Napier and I'm interested to see what you think about that, that hire. Do you think he's going to be able to bring back the history of the, maybe the Tebow days, bring back the glory? What's he say? Scared money don't make money. Yeah. Uh, what I like about it, I think he's very unique. And from all the stuff I've read from Gator Insider and stuff, I, I think it's become public knowledge now that Coach Mullen didn't like to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he let his assistants do all the recruiting and then would try to seal the deal on guys. Um, and he was very out of touch. He just wanted to scheme, basically. I think Billy's going to do a, a better job in the recruiting. We've already seen that with... I don't think Coach Mullen had a five-star defense player when he was there. And Coach got one in his first signing class. He had a five-star safety. And I know stars stars don't mean nothing. I don't like to go off that. But I think he's going to be a, a pretty good coach. Um, they get Utah in week one, which is going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. I want him to start Anthony Richardson at quarterback more than anything. I've been screaming for this kid all last year. Yeah, you were. Uh, I, I think he's 
Cam Newton 2.0, mm-hmm. like some of the plays he makes. But um, whatever reason, I guess loyalty, maybe to Coach Mullins falls a little bit that they just kept riding with Emory Jones there. But it, it's a pretty talented place. And I like what he said uh, his opening press conference about recruiting is uh, or maybe it wasn't as old. Maybe it was one of the clinics I was just in with him. He said in their national championship years, it's like 80, 82% of the team came from four, four hours away from Gainesville. Really? Eh? So he really wants to recruit the heart of Gainesville and those kids like Chris Rainey, the Pouncey brothers mm-hmm. were all, uh, all in that four hour radius. And Tim Tebow was too. So we'll see. It's hard. It's a hard place when in the SEC, the man's are really high on a coach like that, but I, I think he's got something in him that I kind of like that I haven't seen since, uh, he's almost like Billy Donovan to me. He gives me a lot yeah. of that aura for some reason, which I like. I remember when Dan Mullen was hired coach and, and I really liked that hire at the time. I thought that he would take our offense to new heights and I don't know if he necessarily was able to do that for us. We have definitely struggled over the, you know, the last number of years up and down and the SEC is so tough as it is. You know, I hope I hope that uh, Coach Napier is able to bring us back to the glory, and and it's going to be a tough road. But uh, like you said, I think he's the right guy for the job. He brings a lot of uh, excitement to to the Gators this year, and getting that five star recruit I think is huge. So you know, let's see let's see what happens, and hope for the best. Georgia's pretty good. Now. Yeah, pretty good. yeah. Ole Miss is pretty good now. Yeah, we're in we're in tough. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Coach, I want to, uh, you know, unfortunately we're at the end here, but uh, I want to thank you for being on today and talking to me about your Bison uh, season, you know, recruiting and and all the things you're involved in. So really cool to have you on and talk to you again. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Anytime for you, buddy. Always make time to talk Bison football with you. And uh, how can we get Coach Dobie another Vanier before he's out? There you go. All right, buddy. You you take care. Thanks for being on again. And we'll talk Anytime, again. Anytime. Have fun and fearless practice. Yeah, I'm off right away. I got to be there in like 15 minutes. Okay, All bro. Right, bye, buddy. All right, take care.